Hey friends, so a little backstory on the conversation you're about to hear. So back in 2019, I recorded an interview with Greg Stoutenberger, who at the time worked for the Mayhew program. He no longer works there, but the conversation is still super rich and valuable. Now, the reason I didn't release this at the time was that this was right around the start of COVID. By the time I went to release this, it didn't feel appropriate to release an episode about hiring for summer camp staff when summer camps across the country were making the tough decision not to open for that summer of 2020. So I held on to the recording until things have settled down and I unearthed it recently and now we're going to listen to that conversation that was back many years ago. Also, I will add, please stick around till the end after you hear uh, my daughter say her closing because I've added a part of the conversation that didn't really seem to fit in the rest of the interview, but is a really good interaction and good anecdotes and some nonsense as well between myself and Greg. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the episode. And here we go. Hey, Phil. My name is Greg Stoutsenberger. I'm the program director for the Mayhew program out of Bristol, New Hampshire. Mayhew is a really unique uh, organization and program. We're a small nonprofit that works with at-risk New Hampshire boys. Uh, We mix a developmental summer programming uh, where guys in their first and second summers are part of a residential summer camp setting. And then in their third, fourth, and fifth summers, uh, we do backcountry expeditions, mountain biking, canoeing, hiking. The thing that makes you really unique is that we work year-round with the guys. And we take this outdoor developmental summer programming and mix it with school year mentoring. And we have eight outreach workers spread throughout the whole state, uh, visiting with about 225 boys statewide. In terms of like experiential education and the work that and the reason you we're connected through high five and and, and yourself how do you use experiential education in the work that you do and where's, where's the benefit for you yeah so when the when the program was was a little bit younger in the sort of 80s and 90s it was more of that sort of outward bound flavor. Uh, and then we had a, a staff member that, you know, I'm not 100% sure where he was introduced to adventure education, experiential education, but but he started bringing more of that philosophy into our programming. You know, we use it really in many different ways. Uh, the, you know, one, we, we have an adventure program out on the island that we're running, the high element climbs, the low element initiatives, things like that. But that idea of kind of hitting the pause button at certain points and, and having discussions about what went well, what's not going well, uh, working on that, those, you know, soft skills and, and helping the guys kind of build those skills um, so that they can bring that back into their home communities. I mean, that's really a key focus for us. A lot of these guys are coming from somewhat tough situations. Some of the guys have emotional or behavioral problems, and some of the guys are just lacking those those skills that are necessary to to you know be successful at school or home or in their community. And that's really our focus is helping them build those skills and, and learn how to solve 
problems in constructive ways. May use my introduction to experiential ed. Oh, I, okay. I, uh, I was an English major in, in college. Yeah, English majors. Yeah, exactly. Me too. <laughs> and um, I finished college, didn't know what the hell I was going to do. <laughs> uh, and I went and lived out in Northern California at this uh, interesting, intentional community called Odeon. Uh, it's a Tibetan Buddhist community out there where we were doing a lot of work, building a temple actually, but then learning about Tibetan culture at the same time. You know, that sort of got me interested in, in the nonprofit world and in, in helping others. And after I finished three years there, I, I tried my luck in New York City and I realized pretty quickly New York wasn't for me. And I happened upon a listing for a, a summer camp counselor with the Mayu program. Every summer we hire about 20 to 25 counselors to help us do the summer programming. And, and that was my introduction to, to this world was uh, coming out as a summer camp staff member for them. And uh, midway through the summer there, they offered me full-time work as the Monadnock region uh, over in Keene, New Hampshire, their outreach worker there. I did that for four years. After that, I became Mayu's program director. When I was doing this uh, initially as program director responsible for hi hiring the staff, it was you know, sort of at the the end of that 2008 recession time, there was a lot of people looking for work. The pool of candidates to draw from mm -hmm. has really shrunk. And, you know, I think the other thing is that as organizations grow, maybe it's a small organization, but we have grown a little bit over the past couple of years. And, you know, it becomes a challenge to actually balance the workload. You know, for us, we're a year-round programming. We're not, you know, a lot of summer programs, summer camps, they they have their time in the off-season to kind of focus on reviewing what worked, what didn't work. And, and for Mayhew, it's like, we don't stop. We jump from the summer right into the community-based outreach work. And that's a challenge. But I, I do think that the, the pool of candidates, it's just not there. And after last year, I made a concerted effort to focus on recruitment and retention. And it used to be this time of year when I could start recruiting. That's not the case anymore. I started in September. And I think that's the thing. It's just become now where it's it's got to be like a year-round approach. It's got to be a, a much stronger focus on getting out, building connections with, with colleges, um, you know, building connections with your staff, actually, before they even leave for the summer, saying like, hey, you've done this for a summer. You know what it is. You know what it takes. If you got friends at school that you think would be a good fit for this, you know, you recruit for us. Um, you know, that's been our focus. And, you know, we've seen some pretty good success so far this year with some different approaches we've taken to, you know, being a little bit more aggressive as far as going out there and, and trying to find the right people to fill these roles. Because you're, you're working with youth, you really need to find high quality, high character people that want to work with youth. It's doable, but, but it, it has been a challenge the past couple of years. I think we, you know, the industry takes for granted because of its ability to retain or word of mouth or not being as aggressive in the hiring practices that we haven't been the, the best at being advertised all of the benefits. Because if you look at it from a pure numbers issue, even we were, you know, talking off mic that, you know, the... It can be exhausting doing the work we're doing. So if you just take the energy of all of the energy of the summer, it's very challenging to think like, why would you go back? But right. there's this, un, you know, <laughs> yeah. you did so much work. You worked so long hours. You maybe didn't earn that much and you went through all these highs and lows, but, and yet you kept coming back. So there's that amorphous thing that, you know, needs to be better advertised to the larger population. Because if you say it purely on the wage you will earn and the number of hours you will work, that's not going to cut it, you know, because it's they're, they're too far apart. You know, you're working long hours and you're not, earning a massive amount of money. So there has to be other things that we try to pitch. What, what would you say to them? 
I do think that for those other reasons to come out and, and, and be part of summer camps, I think it really involves resume building, skill building, getting references. You know, for those people that are looking for outdoor ed, education, psychology, things along those lines, this is real world experience working with youth, uh, working in settings that are going to help you build your skills so that as you go on into your profession, you're going to have experiences to draw from that are going to really help you out. We all know today we, we live a lot of our lives behind computer screens mm-hmm. in front of our phones. I mean, that, that, that that's the truth. And for summer camp, you, you unplug from that. You know, we're a, we're a tech-free summer camp. I know a lot of the summer camps are, you know, the, you know, no phones, no computers. And it's the ability to sit down and have a conversation. It's the ability to, to you know, uh, have fun or have difficult conversations. And, and I think that's one of those things when you're in school and you're in college, um, you know, obviously you're having conversations in your class focused on whatever materials you're studying. But, you know, to me, you know, our program offers you know, college-age students or, or even people that are, you know, a little bit outside of college to step outside of those textbooks, uh, step outside of those classrooms and, and put what they've been talking about and what they've been thinking about and what they've been working on into practice. And it's a friendly environment to do that. You know, it's it's a place where, you know, for us, we know we're inviting people where this might be their first professional experience. They might not have ever worked before. Um, but, you know, if they, like I said, if they have that interest and in, in that passion and, you know, this is a great spot where they're going to be able to get feedback. Um, you know, for us, we're doing, uh, you know, a sort of uh, mid-session debrief with the staff. We do exit interviews with the staff. You know, they're, 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 they, they have to seriously reflect on their performance day in and day out. Hey, man, that conversation I just had with that guy, it didn't really go like how I thought it was going to go. <laughs> so they needed to talk to maybe a fellow staff member to actually, um, you know, figure out how to come up with a plan on how to approach that better next time. And, and you know, that's so valuable for them moving forward. It's something that, you know, obviously, how can you capture that in a bottle, Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then, yeah. and then give that to people as they're, yeah. you know, walking through the job fairs <laughs> or, or at some conference yeah. where you're hey, trying to talk hey, Take to this them. sticker and take all of the things that you could possibly get. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You just can't get that through a sticker. Yeah. <laughs> it would be a really long sticker that yeah. you just wear in a t-shirt. Yeah. These yeah. are all the things you get yeah. if you work for us. Yeah. Bring it back slightly to the challenge course world that we're also in. In terms of hours on task, you know, we have challenge course portfolios. This is all the stuff, all the record stuff you're going to get. People ask me a lot, like, how could I end up working for an organization like High Five? Not, you know, it doesn't have to be High Five, but how do I work for an organization like High Five? And I reflect back on my transition to work here. When I asked that, I asked that same exact question 10 years ago to Chris Ortiz at the time, and he gave me the same feedback that I would give to anyone right now. It's, no, it's not going to be immediate, and you've got to get experience under your belt. We're experiential education. So the thought that you could get a degree and immediately jump into that job, I think is a little naive because we're experiential ed. So you have to have some experience to be able to teach experience. You know, I remember uh, uh, Jim referred to this. I remember I first started, Jim Grout said, was was so good at storytelling. And I was asking him, like, I, I wanted to be better at telling stories. And he said, you're not going to have them. 
It's like you can't make up stories. Yeah. So you're going to have to wait until you're, you've had experiences where you can reflect on those stories to be able to give them. And in terms of as well experience with a challenge course, summer camps, the things that summer camps bring and outdoor ed spring is a lot of time on task, a lot of hours immediately. So if you work a summer camp um, and you're doing five days a week, six days a week, and you're doing eight till five of programming time, in the summer, you're getting like 500 hours of experience. So for a portfolio, challenge course portfolio, so valuable, and you're not going to get that anywhere else. So if you think you want to get into the challenge course industry, the adventure industry, there's no better place than going to summer camp. You know, obviously for the the challenge course stuff, like you said, I mean, you're going to have the opportunity to belay X number of kids up and down an element X number of times, like throughout the whole course of a summer for, you know, the opportunity to, to lead trips, you know, to, to head out on eight five day trips, you know, hiking, backpacking or canoeing other organizations when you go out and try to find maybe full-time work in that field, they're going to look and they're going to say, Hey, you've already done this. And you know, you've done it with, um, you know, for us, you've done it with a, a, a challenging population of youth. Um, and you know, there's, there's plenty of, plenty of the guys that work for us or, or, or female staff that work for us that, you know, have, have used Mayu as their, their starting block to, to go out and, and do other other things and, and work with other programs. And, you know, that's tough sometimes because when you call them up this time of year to say like, Hey, what do you think about coming back next summer? And they're like, well, actually I got full-time work. Yeah. Um, you know, that's always, that's always hard, but it, it happens. And, you know, it's, you know, hopefully that there's, there's somebody else who's, you know, sort of ready to, to step in and, and fill those shoes in, in that same way. What are your strategies for retaining staff? We've talked about like bringing them in. How do you, what's your strategies around trying to keep them around? Yeah, I think the, the the strategies for retaining staff uh, for us are really trying to sort of develop them as much as we possibly can with, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it, it's hard because you only have so many opportunities sometimes to, to offer them. But, um, you know, if, if there's a staff member who uh, had a certain role last summer, but we feel they can step into maybe, a, a you know, a bit more of a, a leadership position, you know, we can offer that. We've added a little bit more bonus money for anybody who's going to return. For us, those are those have been the two main things. But I, I think what's what happens is almost like what we were talking about earlier with why, why, why do we keep, like for me, why do I keep doing this? And the staff that go through a summer and, and have a lot of fun and, and really enjoy themselves, you know, I always appreciate when that staff says, I want to come back because I want to see those guys again. I want to you know, I want to work with these guys some more. And and that's obviously, I mean, they're coming back for, for great reasons to, to try and continue to see the growth and change that can occur. Because we tell our staff all the time they're in staff training, hey, for some of these guys, you might not see any change. And you have to almost kind of trust that over the course of the, the summer, a year, a number of years. For Mayhew, we start working with guys at 10 or 11 and we work with them all the way through high school. It's a longitudinal approach. And, and, and for a summer staff member that's out there for just that one summer, they might not see that change. But if they come back, they get to see that. And, and you know, that I think is for those, those staff that enjoy working with youth and, and really want to do that, they come back for a number of summers. You know, I think the other thing too is for, you know, a college student that starts young, you know, I can think of one staff member right now who just started at NYU for, for family law. Um, you know, she was with us for four summers and, and you know, she saw Mayu as an opportunity to, to build those skills and, and, you know, she was able to kind of 
get better and better. Um, you know, other staff members are similar where, you know, they have an opportunity to, to build skills and they're getting better at their uh, work. They come in, you know, sometimes as, as young 18-year-olds who might be a, a little unsure of themselves, yeah. you know, maybe lack a little bit of confidence. And, and every summer it's so cool to see them grow up as, as, as individuals and mature uh, and just, you know, become talented people, not just for, for the work that they're doing with, for our program in youth, but just even for themselves. It's the experiences that they gather. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty special. I mean, that was for me, like my time in California, like, you know, living in this immersive community. I was on Mayu for like four weeks and it, it really, you know, I, I never went to summer camp as a, as a, as a boy. Yeah. And it was like, there was a draw to me about this, this, ability to just kind of live and work with these people and, and have so many experiences throughout the course of these long days yeah. and these, these longer weeks, it, it, it gets to be really special and unique and, you know, something that I think for a lot of people, they really cherish. You know, from the perspective of you saying, how do you retain staff as well? Those people who I've worked for, who I've wanted to continue working for, are those people who have invested in me. Yes. Not invested in necessarily themselves or the program, but have figured out... I need to invest in Phil in some way because as well, that makes me semi-indebted to them to want to continue to do work. So there's there's benefit the other way. But sometimes you might be setting them up to leave you. You know, like I'm going to give you professional development. We had a conversation as a training team about other options of professional development other than challenge course stuff. Where can you send people? What can you do? And I would encourage all employees and, you know, of staff, even if it's as a seasonal, try to invest in your staff in some way. Have a budget set aside for professional development so that you can send them to some trainings or do some experiences that you're investing in them in some way. And it doesn't even have to be you paying for stuff. It could just be you one-to-one mentoring, seeing someone who has potential and saying, hey, I'd love to give you advice. Can we sit together and have this conversation? Because there's even a, there was a phrase Jim mentioned, I can't remember where he got it from, but he got it from a book that said, students uh, learn more from teachers who love them. Right. You know, it just it, there's, there's that connection piece that trumps all of the extra stuff. You know, even when we refer to pay and all that kind of stuff, if be, the pay stuff is great, but even if you earned more and your boss was a terrible boss, You're not gonna you ain't going to stick around. <laughs> so, you know, it has yeah. to be from a supervisor perspective. Yeah. yeah, we actually, that's one of the things we are for recruiting staff back. That's one of the things that we'll do. If, if we have a staff member that we got to know one summer and we really appreciate the work that they did and trust them, we'll send them to high five for the Adventure Basics course and say, hey, we think you'd be our gr- a great adventure counselor. We're going to invest in you by sending you to High Five to take that Adventure Basics course so that you can get the training right from them and then come out and operate our adventure course. Hey, you seem like you, you know, you want to be a swim counselor. We're going to we're going to pay for you to go get your lifeguarding certification. A certification that we're just going to need you to have it for 10 weeks, but you have it for two years. So you can leave Mayu at the end of the summer and go out and get a lifeguarding job. And you know, you're going to look even more attractive to those people because you already have that cert. Same with wilderness first aid, things along those lines. It's, it's the opportunity to, to kind of go outside and and, and get those certifications and trainings. Um, Because obviously, you know, for, for the camp world, you know, if you're running those organizations, you need those certifications and training. But as a, as a staff member, it's just a way for you to develop professionally and then also something that you can take with you which is uh you know even a, a better boost the thing that i see is, is people people want to to work they, they want to do good things mm. 
you know, and, and, and I think for us as organizations and, and employers, you know, we need to be able to to give them those opportunities to be successful, to, to mm-hmm. find success and, and, and set them up in a way. You don't need, I don't, you don't need to make it easy for them and you, you oh, need yeah. to be honest with them and say, you know, this summer is going to be filled with plenty of pitfalls <laughs> yeah. and challenges and, yeah. and difficult conversations and, and, and hard moments. But mm-hmm. um, at the same time, if, if you're supporting them and you're helping them grow and developing them, like you're saying, um, you know, it's, it's, it's worth that investment. And, you know, I think the other thing too is it's, Organizations like High Five and Mayu, it's it's we want to be successful organizations, but we're also in the business of putting good people out in this world. You know, if they're if they're going to work with you for just one summer or two summers, whether it's a staff member or a boy, um, it doesn't matter. We're, we're we're all you know for Mayu, we're all trying to you know be our best and find our best and be able to then bring that out and share that with others. And mm-hmm. you know that's 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 the the main objective. You know, I urge people to you know just consider summer camp and, and, and work in these sort of temporary settings as a, as mm-hmm. a great opportunity. Uh, we hired a student from Keene State College and, and she listed one of her professors as a, a reference a education professor. And that education professor said uh, at one point, he tells all his juniors in college, you know, before they are going to their senior year, senior year of student teaching to mm-hmm. go out and get a job at camp. Yeah. Um, you know, that's where you're going to be able to develop the, the, the hard skills of, of communicating with, with youth, of, mm-hmm. of building those relationships. Um, so it's, it's a great opportunity, and, you know, whether it's, it's Mayu or any of the other five camps on Newfound Lake or any other, there's 16,000 camps or however many mm-hmm. throughout the country that, that people can go and, you know, have these great experiences and opportunities, you know, build networks of friends and people that will last a lifetime, like we said. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, uh, you know, for someone who never went to camp growing up and now I'm going into my 11th summer on Mayu Island, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun and a great experience, and I, I would you know, urge people to, to, uh, look into it and, and, and give it a chance. Perfect. Thank you so much, Greg. Thank you so much for joining us. I've really appreciated it. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Phil. And thanks to high five. So thanks for listening. Thanks for making it all the way to here. Happy holidays to all our listeners. We are not going to be releasing an episode next week because I will be back in England visiting family for the first time in many, many years. So I'm excited for that. So hope you have a great festive season. Please share follow, like, all of the things. And if you have any questions or comments, please submit them on Instagram at Vertical Playpen and you can direct message me there. And I'll see you in the new year. Thanks for listening to Vertical Playpen. And then what about thanks for listening to High Fives Podcast? Can you do it? Okay, try. Thanks for giving I think I'll the guy. <laughs> You, you get to the end of the summer. There's no way right at the end of the summer you could think about doing that again. Yes. That's why there's a gap of window of a month or so before you hire again. But right. I remember I used to get an email. I got an email back like in October or something. Hey, Phil, would you be interested in coming back? I think you, that's like a, I, I can't accurately describe this experience, but it would be like, um, I know that my, when our daughter was born, the experience of my daughter's yeah, birth was so birth traumatic. Can do it again? <laughs> There's no way at that time my wife would have been, yeah, let's do that again. Right. But later on the line, the emotional attachment to the thing and the physical attachment, the emotional piece stays, the physical thing sort of disappears somewhat and you forget right. about the bad and you just remember how we've got this awesome kid. Right. So it's like that's the benefit. I think it's the same with the summer camp thing. You leave a window of opportunity and then you ask them to come back and they're like, 
You're right. That was probably the best thing I've ever done in my life. I think there's some biological <laughs> response with childbirth, though, that yeah, like, yeah. allows women to forget the pain of yeah. childbirth so yeah. that they can do it again. I mean, yeah. maybe that's what we need to do. We we're talking about capturing the bottle. We need to find out mm. that biological response to childbirth. Give it to the counselors at the yeah. end of this. Yeah, yeah. Quick, drink <laughs> sip of this. Yeah, sip. drink this little tincture. Why have you got on your Why on your table at the job fair do you have all these little shot glasses? There's no alcohol, and I promise. Hey, drink this little uh, tincture here, and they just they have this euphoric. <laughs> feeling of like oh my god i need to go back well, when summer I was, camp when i was in california so the, the spot where i lived in california there's there's a high llama that lives there yeah right yeah, so he, yeah. he was like one of the he left in the the you know that chinese occupation wave mm. um and you know for for some people he he you know he would be on par you know everyone knows the dalai lama and he mm. would be on part of that but he's a bit of a recluse a hermit yeah and uh, we were doing. There's this this stretch of time. It's called Sagadawa. It's in in June. It's uh, you know the 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 Buddha's uh, birth, enlightenment, and, and parinirvana. And um, before Sagadawa hits, you you have to do all this work outside, mowing mowing the fields, trimming the trees, anything like that. Because during Sagadawa, all the good stuff you do gets multiplied like a hundred million times, but all the bad stuff you do gets multiplied. <laughs> as well so like killing insects and whatnot oh, you can't yeah, do yeah, yeah. and we were doing all this land work um mm. just kind of like all this stuff cleaning fields mowing fields doing all this hard work and we were doing it for like four or five days straight and i remember at one point um all of a sudden he was kind of you know he would always kind of run around and, and, and be doing stuff as well and he started like giving everybody this little tincture and you know i think i was there maybe for like a year and a half at that point and, and mm-hmm. you know i'm somebody who has a, a healthy distrust <laughs> <laughs> and I, I look at this one guy uh elza that i i, I you know was friendly with and knew and i, I looked at him i'm like i'm like what should, should i should i wait <laughs> he's like just do it just do it and so i was like all right so you know you went and you like took the tincture and uh I remember like a day later talking to one of the older students there and asking him what it was. And it was like, you know, it was, it was, it was something that you would probably get like at the health food store, it was like <laughs> colloidal silver mixed yeah, with yeah, something yeah. else. And it was just it was, yeah. like nowadays, probably like CBD oil or something, <laughs> you know, but it was yeah. still like that, 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 that magic tincture that you're just like, all right. Yeah. No, well, that, so, you know, we've solved the problem post interview that it, the issue isn't, you know, all the experience it's, we need a tincture. That's it. We need like, that's the solution in the future. A that's tincture. It, that's it. So, so if you come up with the first good, yeah, exactly. if I come up with the first, uh, I, if it, if it goes out on this, it's like public domain. Yeah. It's like, ah, oh, no, we don't get to own it. Like, we didn't. We should have had. The, no, we're claiving ten percent. Right yeah, now. on this, on this like tincture that comes yeah. out. There is like something like, you know, it was a reference, but like the I do a workshop called the Power of Play, and in that workshop I talk about the brain chemicals, the neurochemicals that yeah, make yeah, us feel Yeah, I remember joy. for uh, when I took yeah. adventure basics with you, you went into and that. And it's like, yeah. I think that does have some benefit in all of that stuff. You know, yeah. like physical physical exertion when you do a physical work. You know. You, you're you're getting that dopamine from, you know, just trying to get rid of the musk and the physical pain. So you right. feel joy from it. It's like you right. do feel good if you do a hard day's work. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the thing with those, those long hours. The best I've ever slept is summer camp. As much yes. as, you know, like it's because you're exhausted by the time. And you know how it's the best you eat, too, because you're actually hungry. By the time the meals times comes, because you've had a like or actual. Well, and you're always day. moving. Like I, yeah. I, I get off the island in the summer, and yeah. it's it's the healthiest I am. I mm-hmm. I, I wake up six a.m. Go like the first thing I do is is me and the, me and the dog go the long way around the island. Mm. Drop him in the office. Yeah, I go out for a swim, and then 
like I mean I must I, I don't have a Fitbit or whatever like that's not my style but yeah, like yeah. I, the amount you know for us and in, in, you know like you were talking about with the the 15 minutes to climb up and down to the zip platform yeah, yeah, yeah. you're just always walking you're always yeah. moving you're not sedentary you're not yeah. sitting still it's it's you know you're outside you're you're, you're doing stuff you're engaging yeah. with people it's like at the end of the summer um, you you feel so alive at the end of this summer I actually was like I got off the island and like. I kind of went through like this little depression. It was like this, this like this letdown, this release. And yeah. like, for maybe it's just because I'm getting a little bit older, and it, it's you know it's a mix of like physical and mental stress. And I, mm. you know, I came home. You know, you know, my first couple summers in the island, it wasn't coming home to you know a wife and three kids. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's yeah. like, oh wait a second, like I got to come home, and you got to be like into this whole other world and assimilate mm-hmm. and, and get back to being dad again. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, it's you know when you finish the summer, like you know. It's that good, tired, like you said, but you feel you I think feel that, good. You feel I think healthy. that actually, you know, we joke about the tincture, but I actually think that is the tincture. Like that's the thing that right. because you, I know tons of people, you know, who have gone into different career paths, but it's that it is the months after, like especially as well, the the months after are also fallen winners. So, you know, if you're going back to England as well, it's like a very grey experience, dreary. Yeah. And people get seasonally affected depression anyway because right. of that seasonal change. Yeah. But I think there is a loss of connection. We are social hu- social beings, humans, right. anyway. So you're so constantly immersed. And you you in the, when you're at camp, you long for privacy. You know, like you do on your days yeah, you off. Want your some, you want your moments. You want your – like, <laughs> let me go and just sit against a tree somewhere and yeah. be quiet. Yeah. But you, when you leave, you feel disconnected. Right. You do feel like that depression. I I would feel it. So when you would get that call in October, do you want to come back? You're at like the low of, of it, you know? So yeah. you're actually like, I want to get back to feeling good again. Right. And maybe I need to go and do that again. And right. if, you, if you're young and you don't have any like reason to say no, then you often say yes to it again. Right. 